Welcome! You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Welcome to this episode of The Science of Happiness. This is volume two. The last four episodes covered the science of happiness as it creates to creating deeper purpose and meaning. If you haven't checked them out, I highly encourage you to do so. That's because in those four episodes, I shared very simple but specific habits and practices that are scientifically proven to increase your level of happiness. We know that increasing your level of happiness helps create deeper and longer lasting purpose and meaning in your life. While that's certainly important no matter where you live, it's a critical skill to have as you create and build your new life overseas. Now I had planned to move on to our fourth quarter theme of community and cultural adaptation. However, The universe has intervened, and I am inspired to share breaking news from the world's longest happiness study ever done. More on that in a moment. When I looked at the four secrets to happiness that have just been revealed, I knew I had to extend this series on the science of happiness. The reason is because they all directly relate to our happiness level in community. Knowing and practicing these skills will enhance our ability to make friends and form long-lasting relationships, super important as we adapt to our new life overseas. Of course, like I mentioned previously, these habits and practices will serve you regardless of where you live. Mastering them will help you create new relationships abroad with more ease and much faster. So let's dive into this study. A Harvard study traced people into old age, asking them about their proudest moments and their regrets. The Harvard Study of Adult Development, which launched in 1938 is the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted. It traced people from their teenage years into old age and gleaned major insights about what makes a good life along the way. Massachusetts General Hospital psychiatrist Robert Waldinger, MD, who's also a professor of psychiatry at Harvard, now runs the study. With the luxury of time, he's been able to see which adults turn out happy and why. 
In Waldinger's book, The Good Life, which releases in January, it explains the factors in childhood that shape our satisfaction later in life. Now, I've already pre-ordered my copy of this book. In this four-part series, The Science of Happiness, Volume 2, we will continue to focus on the habits and practices we can implement in our daily life to increase our level of happiness. For Volume 2, the focus is on community and cultural adaptation, which is our fourth quarter theme. So what behavior patterns not only increase our level of happiness, but also help us create and nurture a loving community where we feel connected and supported? Just to recap, in part one, we discussed the 25-year history of positive psychology and how that has led to scientific breakthroughs. Again, if you haven't checked those out, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. For this episode, The Science of Happiness Part 5, Happy People Aren't Self-Absorbed. Merriam-Webster's definition of self-absorbed means absorbed in one's own thoughts, activities, or interests. The word absorbed is critical. We all have a healthy interest in our own interests and well-being. We all think about our thoughts, acts, and interests, but we normally also consider others. People who are self-absorbed are less likely to consider the thoughts, activities, and interests of others as separate from themselves. They may disregard these concerns completely or immediately relate them back to their own life and their relevance to their own life instead of the other person. So some synonyms to self-absorbed are egocentric, egotistical, egomaniacal, narcissistic, self-centered, self-obsessed. You get the idea. So what are the signs of a self-absorbed person? Number one, they don't listen. Self-absorbed people like to get attention and be heard by others, but seldom reciprocate. Even when they appear to be listening to you, there's a lack of empathy. You can feel it in the way they respond through body language. And I'll give you an example of this. I had a friend for many, many years, a very good friend. And I met her, I was 21 years old, so a long, long time ago. We were friends for a very long time. And the reason I had to move away from that friendship was because I realized that my friend was self-absorbed. And it seemed like it got worse through the years. Um, I didn't, or maybe I grew, we don't know sometimes how these things unfold, but it was um, a gradual pulling away. I, I ended up over time just spending less and less time with her. And then I, I hadn't spoken with her for a long time, 
just basically stopped responding. Uh, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable confronting her about it. I didn't really think that was going to solve the issue. So I, I just, you know, stopped uh, communicating with her. And then uh, she actually became friends with another friend of mine. And I hadn't seen her for a very long time. And I went to this other friend's birthday party and she was there. And I didn't know she was going to be there. I was actually kind of mad at my friend for not telling me. But the woman literally cornered me at this party and didn't ask one word about how I was or what was going on in my life, but simply uh, kind of almost like at a, a machine gun pace, rapid fire uh, dumped all of her ailments on me. She had had you know a bunch of different different physical uh, issues and problems and. Now, mind you, I haven't seen this woman in years, and she's coming up to me as if I saw her the day before or something, and going on and on about her medical problems. And I finally very politely said, you know, I really don't want to hear about your medical problems. And I simply walked away from her. Interestingly enough, she followed me. And she started doing it again. And I got very upset. Um, and, and actually, I think I left the party, as a matter of fact. And this was probably five to seven years ago. And a similar thing happened just last month. I went to uh, one of my friends from high school, her party. She turned 60. Uh, this is the year all my, I turned 60 last year. All my friends are turning 60. And so I went to her party. And sure enough, this woman was there. And and now it's been, you know, fast forward five or seven years. Again, she came over to me and struck up a conversation. Never said, hey, Don, wow, it's good to see you. How have you been? She literally started telling me all about herself and her life and what was going on and never really asked what, what was going on with us. Um, and I just smiled and, and I did listen and I did have empathy for her, but I thought, you know, I really don't miss this relationship at all. I'm wondering if any of you have ever had this experience. It's really draining. I mean, they, it's, it's almost like a vampire, right? They suck the energy out of you. So we don't really want to be that person do we? And, you know, that's an extreme. I, I gave you an example of an extremely self-absorbed person, but there are varying degrees of that. And, you know, we all like to talk about ourselves. And so it's just something that we want to be aware of. Another example of this is where you're talking to somebody and they play this game of one-upsmanship. And this is perhaps one of the most annoying self-absorbed traits you can experience. It seems whatever you say, share, or are proud of, they have something that's more important, more impressive, or more significant to share. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. 
with an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castelitocaribe.com www.castelitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere and earn in paradise? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Join us for our free workshop to plan your overseas beta test. You'll walk away with a step-by-step plan to turn pie-in-the-sky dreams into your pinch-me-is-this-real-reality and create a life you never need a vacation from. We'll help you plan and execute your perfect exit. Register at paradiseroadmap.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. One-upsmanship is perhaps one of the most annoying self-absorbed traits. And I was uh, I had a conversation with my brother about this, we have a, a male family member, which I, I won't name, but um, he would share, my brother would share, uh, you know, updates or information about what was going on with his two wonderful kids, my niece and, and my nephew. And this particular individual would say, uh, instead of saying, well, that's, that's great, John, that's a, a wonderful accomplishment or, or whatever, it would be, well, my grandson, da, 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 and would change the subject, change the focus of the conversation from my brother's kids, my niece and nephew, to um, his particular family members. And, you know, talk about their accomplishments and so forth, as if to say, you know, well, well my, you know, uh, family is, is, you know, more important than, than yours. And so this is a, a really... Um, toxic sort of way to communicate. And it's, it's certainly something to be aware of. Another trait that self-absorbed people have is they get defensive. They have difficulty seeing the world from a perspective outside of themselves. And when they're confronted with any sort of issue or criticism, the self-absorbed person typically goes on defense. They obsess about how they didn't do anything wrong, or they try to blame or shift responsibility to someone else or on something other than themselves for whatever happened. And it can be anything from a minor uh, issue to something more significant. The other trait is a superiority complex, which actually could be just a mask of their own insecurity that is typically the case. And so what happens is self-absorbed people may see themselves as superior to others. And this is actually a trait that they share with narcissists. Um, Self-centered people are obsessed 
with their own self-image. They may go to great lengths to protect their self-image and might view or label others as inferior to protect their inflated but very fragile self-image. And um, we saw this actually um, with a, an elderly female family member, which again, I won't, I won't name, I don't wanna throw people under the bus, but it was a, a sad situation. This particular individual was in a, an assisted living facility and complained about how boring all of these other people were to talk to and had a great amount of difficulty making friends because she saw herself as superior. Well, you know, I've traveled the world and I've done all of these interesting things. And so these people really don't have value is, is really what we conveyed. And then um, she would even um, call them crips uh, because they were in a wheelchair or used a cane or a walk or something that, like that. And this particular uh, individual used a walker herself, and yet she was uh, denigrating the infirm that were part of this assisted living community. And it was really sad um, and, and hard to, to deal with. Um, you, you could tell this uh, that she was very unhappy and um, didn't show any empathy or interest in the people around her and was not part of this community. And I'm sure there were probably lovely individuals there that had very interesting backgrounds and stories, but you can imagine if you're talking about yourself all of the time and you don't, and about all of the interesting things that you've done, how is it you're ever going to create any kind of a bond uh, with other people? The other trait that self-absorbed people have is they're opinionated. They have a tendency to think the world revolves around them and that the world, from their point of view, is a place that includes them and maybe a few people around them who they're able to control. But how the world affects others doesn't really concern them. They're not interested in considering the opinions of others. They're solely focused on their own point of view, their self-image, their needs, their wants, and their preferences. So what the Harvard Happiness Study found was that people who are not self-absorbed were ultimately much happier. And I'll quote, when we asked people to look back on their lives when they were in their 80s, we said, what are you proudest of? And what do you most regret? And what people were proudest of almost always was the relationships. People didn't mention the awards they'd won or the money they made. They said, I raised healthy kids. I had a good marriage. I mentored people at work, Dr. Waldinger said. It turns out that people are happiest when they make investments in things that are beyond themselves and that teaching children to invest in others sets them up for happiness later in life, according to the Harvard study. 
help kids learn about the satisfaction of being interested in others and being interested in causes that are important. Learning about how satisfying it can be to do things for other people. This sets a stage for satisfaction as you get older. Not so you have it on your resume when you apply to college. You really get an inner glow when you help people, Dr. Waldinger says. Find what your kids are interested in and pair it with doing good in the world, he says. So understand, letting go of egocentric communication is important in general, but it's a habit to master before creating your new life overseas. Of course, you'll want to be happy in your dream life, and that includes building great relationships and being a member of a new, loving, caring, and supportive community overseas. So here's some questions to ask about whether you are self-absorbed or maybe just a little on the scale. Am I empathetic toward others? Do I consider others' feelings? Am I a good listener or do I only talk about myself? Am I present when conversing with others or am I looking at my phone distracted, thinking about other things, etc.? Do I perceive conversations as competition? You know, the one-upping? Do I take responsibility or blame when things go wrong? Do I care more about how I am perceived than the quality of the exchange? If so, it's okay. We can change. The first step is awareness. We can't adjust our behavior unless we are aware of it and it doesn't serve us. Everyone wants to be heard, but no one wants to listen. People who are self-absorbed tend to steer a conversation back to themselves, even when it's not about them. If you notice yourself doing this, I suggest taking a different approach. I believe most people really want to help other people. I know I do. I love connecting with someone with a resource that can help them. I love connecting someone with a resource that can help them, whether it's a product or service they need, a good book, a helpful website, or a great restaurant. We all love to share the things we love with others. I enjoy meeting new people and finding a way to help them if I can. When we leave this earth, we don't take anything with us. Maybe we will be fortunate enough to leave financial resources to those we leave behind. But our biggest gift, our most impactful legacy, is how we make people feel. That's what people remember. Here are some tips to help when you are having a conversation. One, ask yourself, Am I learning anything? If the answer is no, it's a clue you may be talking too much and not listening enough. Two, when it comes to listening, the key to success in building relationships is to follow the 70-30 rule. That means 
When you meet someone, listen 70% of the time and speak only 30% of the time. A good way to remember that is God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionately. Three, ask questions, because questions lead to quality listening. Being a good listener means we listen with all four of our senses, our ears, our eyes, our mind, and our heart. Welcome. You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it.